Yeah, no, no. Th- th- thanks for coming on, Tony. Really do appreciate it. As I was saying, you know, I've, you've had a positive impact on me and the, and the lives of many others. Um, you know, with me going through Sport and Chance Clinic, and um, you've you've achieved a lot through football, and you know, you, you Arsenal captain, England captain, and, and a hero for many people. But it was more to talk about your message of recovery. But I thought I'd start off with that. More, I watched a video of yourself with more than my past. Yeah, I, you can talk about this stuff. Fantastic, mate. This has boosted my ego already, Liam. <laughs> this is great. England, Arsenal, Captain Rico. Come on, keep talking, mate. I love it. <laughs> Go no, on. Well, uh, yeah, so in the um, the video, I think it's about five minutes long, and, um, you know, it nicely summarises your sort of experience, doesn't it, from, you know, the madness of addiction to um, to the the rewards of recovery, but I thought I'd start off with something that really resonated with myself. And you, you spoke about how your alcoholism developed with a, with an injury. Well, in, injury is a significant moment, you know, um, uh, I would say uh, off periods, you know, every summer holiday, it was fueled with alcohol because I knew how to, you know, how to drink and uh, how to get drunk basically and, and how to play football. Um, and that's how I kind of define myself in those days, you know, and uh, it didn't, as, as you will know, Liam, it, it, it never starts like that, you know, the, the little schoolboy from Dagnum, you know, that was frightened of everything. And, uh, you know, when I, when I had my first love of Shandy, <laughs> I didn't think like 12 years later, I'll be having blackouts in prison and intensive care and the consequences of my illness. You yeah. know, that never comes into play. But somewhere along those 12 years, it, it did develop into, you know, whether I was on the football pitch or, or off the football pitch, getting uh, getting drunk. Yeah. And uh, there's the, the two things that I was doing. So injuries when I wasn't playing football, for instance, and um Every holiday, every summer, you know, I think I went from Torremolinas to Ibiza to, to Mallorca, you know, with me mates every year. And it was, wasn't was a, you know, sit around the pool and have a, a couple of beers. And uh, it was to oblivion, you know, 24-7. You know, that was it. get off me face uh, for the whole week, two weeks, you know. And that was, you know, the same when I was um, injured. I couldn't, my first ever... You know, I was 17 and uh, I never tasted alcohol and and I was injured. I, I broke a bone in my uh, fifth metatarsal on my first, not my first drunk, but my first drink, this was. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin without football and without alcohol. So I sat there on that Saturday morning, not being able to play football in past plaster up to my knee. And I got on my crutches and I, I bolted down the local pub and, and the story began, you know, my, my love affair, as it were, with, with, uh, with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the drug of choice, which was, was alcohol. Yeah. And uh, that, that was, um, it, it, you know, I instantly didn't like the taste, uh, but I worked at it. That's, that's a bonkers, you know, if you don't like the taste or something, you just put it down, didn't you? But I loved the effect. And that's yeah. why I drank on it. I didn't realise at the time, you know, all this, all this was unconscious to me. Yeah, yeah. But um, you don't realise. I didn't realise. I just, you know, it just it made me feel great. You made king for a day. You know, you've come across that statement in recovery. It just, it just changed the way I felt attractive. <laughs> I felt loved. I felt 
top of the world, you know, a bit like when we, when you've scored a goal for the Arsenal or lifted a trophy, you know, who's <laughs> makes you feel like you, you know, you you can keep, you can do everything. But yeah. I just happened to cross the line about eleven. I'll give you my whole story here in, in one one question. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you ask another one, Liam. Go on. <laughs> People talking about there was a drinking culture at Arsenal, um, and it's interesting. I'm in a, a WhatsApp group chat with a lot of mates, and uh, funny enough, the other day, uh, one of my mates have said, "Tell you what, Ray Parler's in good nick considering how much he drinks." But and then I ended up watching a video of Ray Parler sort of talking about yourself and how, for like maybe the first two years when you were in recovery, how um, how maybe you never never sort of like socialised with the squad as much. So, uh, how did you find that? It was tricky. My, I remember my first, I was talking about it today, actually, my first Christmas party back out. I, uh, I, I got sober the 16th of August, 1996. And I, and I was a certain character. I was masking a lot. I had a million, a million and one masks um, that I put on. I had this macho kind of, you know, uh, my way or the highway kind of exterior. But underneath, I was a, a shivering, fearful wreck. Um <laughs> But um, uh, so I, but I've got this this new thing in my life. I, I, I'm working a program of recovery a day at a time. I've totally surrendered from my jumping off point where I didn't want to live anymore. But I didn't know how to kill myself. And I've got through that 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 moment of clarity, surrendered. But it's still the Christmas party. And I've gone back into my job and kind of gone, oh, my God, you know, they say in recovery, the, the worst thing is you get your thoughts and feelings back. And it's the best thing as well. But um so I went, okay, 12 o'clock in the pub, you know, just before Christmas. Come on, guys, let's do it. Yeah. You know, and I stood there in the pub. But I, I was kind of, I'd surrendered and I was totally safe. I knew that a, a day at a time I won't drink again. I know it, I can see it for what it is now. As long as I do the, the, the right stuff, as long as I keep putting myself into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, as long as I keep up my therapy, as long as I listen to, you know, to the 12 steps and work the steps, and as long as I speak to my sponsor and this kind of stuff, I know that I'm, I'm kind of won't pick up. It's, I'd maybe do something else, <laughs> but, you know, but, but alcohol's off the table, you know, it's not going to get me there. But this occasion, I'm three weeks clean and so, three months clean and sober. Yeah. You know, step one, step two-ish in, in recovery. And um, as I come on 12 o'clock, and I matched them, cappuccino for, for the lager. I matched them. I was, I was there and I thought, oh, come on. Yeah, exactly. Cappuccino. And I went, one. And it was quite funny because a few things were kind of interesting. Because I'd come to and I was conscious now, I noticed that most, most of them didn't drink to the levels that I drank. Yeah, some of them did drink heavily. Uh, didn't have the three-day, four-day bender afterwards and stuff, you know, didn't kind of go and, and get home the next week. And a lot of them kind of, after a couple of hours, they went back to their homes and families. <laughs> What's all that about, you know? Uh, but I matched them and they were doing it at two, three pints an hour and I was doing two, three cappuccinos an hour. So by about four o'clock, I'd done about 12 cappuccinos and the barmaid was banging the bell. She was banging the bell every time. Everyone was laughing with me for a change instead of at me because that was a big change as well. Because yeah. I was the I was the falling down drunk, the, the standing on the table, you know, entertainment for everybody. And I wasn't prepared to be the source of an, uh, entertainment anymore. But I had people laughing with me now, you know, and again, ding, 10, 11, 12, 
And then we went to another place and I kept drinking cappuccino. It was two in the morning and I've done 27 cappuccinos. And I was shaking. They said it's an all-time record. <laughs> I, speak to, I, I did a bit of work with Lavazza. I love the, the, the people there that sponsor the Arsenal and, and Liverpool, actually. Um, yeah. And they're really great people. And um, they said, I think we've never known someone to drink that level of consumption <laughs> in a session. But I was shaking like a leaf, but I didn't drink. And I noticed a lot of the, the guys wasn't there. You know, they'd all gone home. You know, there was one or two with, still with me at two, three in the morning. Yeah. You know, and I realised that actually I was the one that had crossed the line. It wasn't their issues. It wasn't their problems. And if they did have a problem and did want to reach out, then I was here to show them the way. Yeah. You know, I got another sober day. Okay, it took 27. I don't have to do that today. I can stand there and I can go home, which is a real secret. You know, at three o'clock when a lot of the other guys went home, I, I, I can go, oh, thanks, guys. Because it all turns out, they turn to utter rubbish, you know, after a couple of beers, you know, I, thought I, was, I thought I was talking absolute, you know, pearls of wisdom, mate, but it's all, <laughs> I don't want to swear, but it was all bollocks, you know. I've also seen another video of yourself talking about um, uh, what your experiences when you were in Azerbaijan and, and you found like sort of distance from recovery, how did you find that? It was difficult, but I, I was opened up, you know, I, I, I changed, they, they talk about, it's a bit airy-fairy, mate, but <laughs> I'm going back into the macho world you were talking about, but the, the, the flower opened up, you know, it, it opened up and uh, um, I was open to adventures and, uh, and different things came into my life. Yeah. Um, and, oh, I could have experiences and, and and I, I'd played for Arsenal for 22 years and pretty much I knew Highbury, I knew away grounds, but I'd seen hotels and training grounds and, and I hadn't seen different cultures, different places on the globe. And, and, I, and I wanted some uh, life experiences now I was sober. You know, for years I was trapped in my addiction. You know, I couldn't get past the first pub. You know, so I used to talk all to these things. There's a beautiful passage in, in the big book about... Um, um, uh, Contempt prior to investigation leaves man into everlasting uh, ignorance. And, you know, we can stand at the, at the, at the pub kind of going, yeah, oh, that's a great place. I saw it on the telly, you know, I don't need to go anywhere. My dad used to say that. What do I need to go to Africa for? <laughs> what I see it on the telly, you know, but I've had an opportunity through football to actually explore new, new places, different cultures and, uh, I've enjoyed every minute. You know, I've worked in seven different countries in the last 10 years, you know, China, Azerbaijan, Madrid, you know, Spain, these kind of places. And they've all been fantastic sober experience. And the great thing with with the um, with AA in particular, it's around the globe. There's meetings around the globe. When, you know, some of the meetings in China, for instance, in Shanghai, it's a meditation meeting on a Monday in Shanghai. That's absolutely so spiritual. It's so wonderful, and yeah. it's, I'm so I was so blessed to do that. In Azerbaijan, it, it was tough. There wasn't no meetings. The local meetings were either in Moscow or or Istanbul. I used to have to get on a plane to to do it. Yeah. I, le I listened to a lot of uh, podcasts. Sorry, it wasn't podcasts in those days when I when I sobered up. Uh, uh, tapes, speaker tapes. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of speaker tapes on my journey you know, it's three hours from Baku to Gabala where I was working and I used to just put a, a share on and just listen to recovery 
you know, and I had the other end of the phone line to to speak to my therapist, or it was Skype in those days, and you know, I Skyped in once a week and, and had a check in and uh, and worked my program and 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 did some remarkable remarkable adventures. Hey, I had some remarkable adventures, you know, just by opening up and putting one through it and the other. Made a lot of mistakes as well as we do, but yeah. I've always, sir, uh, I've got up from them and got on with it, you know, and, and come back stronger. You know, I think that's the thing in, in all my life. I've made many, many <laughs> mistakes to, along the journey, but the important thing is we get back up, we learn from it, and, uh, and, and, we, and we move on as a better version of ourselves, don't we? A hero for many people. And when you're in recovery and, you know, if you're listening to the likes of uh, tapes, et cetera, would you say over the years you've, whether it's one or a few people who, who you've seen as like your heroes, have you looked up to, or is that mainly sort of in recovery? Um, I've always, my mum always used to say, show me your friends and show, uh, and I'll show you you, which is very, very poignant. And we, we say in recovery, don't we, stick with the winners and win with the stickers. Yeah. I very quickly got a group of people around me, you know, about six to six to ten people that were in my life in early recovery that were, you know, were a long time uh, clean and sober. At that time, I thought, you know, over 10 years was <laughs> was just, you know, over 10 weeks. I thought, my God, how do they do it? You know, <laughs> the 10 weeks clean without a drink. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, th these people were like, 10 years and stuff and I thought my god and I had so many sober experiences and clean experience or without a bet experiences under their belt you know they've they've had life situations you know deaths births marriage divorces you know work sacks resignations all types of life experiences and been able to not pick up their drug of choice and I had more than that I've have peace in their life and and full of contentment and con comfortable in their own skin and yeah. i got and there were there were a range of uh, of of people from men women cross section of society some lawyers you know big uh, people running major global companies you know to musicians to actors to um you know to postman and and i came with a i came in with a tube driver and a postman so it was a range of people that were giving me pearls of wisdom and they were all my winners they were all my wisdom and a lot of them are still in my life today what i wanted to do liam to be honest with you i'm not a i i, I quickly realized that i don't think that well, Everyone that I was talking, my experiences again, everyone I was speaking to in early recovery was drinking again, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking, oh my God, what I'm telling all my stuff. And as Bill Wilson, you know, the fan, one of the founders of, 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 uh, um, of IA, um, he would try to save the world in the first six months of his recovery. And, uh, and they were all drinking again. Um, but Lois, his wife turned around to him and said, but, but Bill, but Bill, you're clean and sober. So it's never stopped me from trying to help out my uh, a power when they reach out. Yeah. But I think there's ways of doing that. And me <laughs> talking at them for, for two hours about how wonderful my life is today <laughs> and how I've changed, it, it wasn't seem to sinking in. You know, it didn't seem to... 
I, I, I think I'm, I, I need to listen more. <laughs> and I wasn't a particularly good listener in those days. And, and the art, I think, of being a good sponsor, a good therapist, I think they do need to step back and take and let the person find out for themselves, you know, what their answers are, you know, to become yeah. your, your own best therapist, your own best uh, person that you can be. So um, I quickly realised that. So, but I was still getting lots of phone calls from ex-players and stuff saying, Tone, you know, help. And and I put James there. You know, you said that you that you went to see James and James, and, and I just put him in place because although he wasn't qualified in in in, in the modern era, <laughs> in the in the in the therapy, psychologist, psychiatric, mental health arena that we're in today, he would never have got a license. You know, yeah. James. But he worked his miracles with me. You know, he, he was full of dignity and self respect. And he listened and he listened and every now and again, he just came out with a, a, with a, a word that resonated. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, got it. And he's very existential and that kind of worked for me as well. You know, this is all we've got right now. And yeah. he put, it was just right for me, he passed on books at, uh, at the appropriate time. People like Alan Watts and, you know, existential kind of therapists and people that are in the now and the power of now is a fantastic book also. But along my journey, he's been there to do that. So pretty much at the beginning, I just went, look, I got a load of money from doing Addicted, which was my um, step four in paperback, basically. Um, I got... 250 grand after tax is about 170 grand. I gave it to the uh, Spalding Chance, which it was formed, and basically to pay James's wages for the first five years. That's what it was for. And I just put him into a hotel up in North London, uh, Sotwell House. And um, people, I said, look, when they used to call me and say, Tone, help. <laughs> I used to go, James, there you go. Another one for you. <laughs> so, that, so, that was, so that was the story. Yeah. How it was, how it was born, and you know, it's 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 you know, twenty one years old now, and it's fl fl I can't say it. It's grown, <laughs> flourished. <Yeah>. There you <laughs> go. Got my word. It just flourished um, into an amazing. You know, I think the stats was over a thousand sports people in two thousand and nineteen. So. Um, yeah, I'm very proud of it. I'm life president now. I've stepped a little bit back. I've cherry picked what I, I do for him now, which is a nice thing. And they've got some great people work for Sporting Chance and it's still delivering. So I'm very yeah. proud of it. When you mentioned Alan Watts there, I think when we spoke the other week, we were talking about sort of existentialism. Um, it was just as I was going into Sport and Chance, uh, that's when I really started to get into the likes of Alan Watson and uh, like-minded people. But it, it was weird because I was full of shame at the time and I felt like I was living this double life. These are the things I'm into, but my addiction's not matching up what I'm sort of into. And uh, I've always got a, a, a strong memory of James. I, I was reading, um, it's called On the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Really Are. And because I was full of shame and fearful, uh, James has popped his head over my shoulder and went, uh, what are you reading there, boy? And uh, I've, I've showed it to him. He's like, oh, you're into Alan Watts? And I went, yeah. And um, he, he actually, while I was in there for me four weeks, which, funny enough, four years ago today, I'd be about three weeks into my month in the clinic. And uh, 
and he, uh, he, he actually bought me another one of Alan Watts' books, which, which I've still got down here. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's led me on to uh, many other things. Yeah, 98, mate. Um, yeah. I was 18 months clean and sober, going to step four. I did a step four with, with James. Uh, well, step five. I, you know, I did my step four and five. And when I shared it, step five with James, because I trust him so much, it was a real safe place. I didn't get the lift. I didn't get the, um, you know, we talk about uncover, discover, discover, uncover, discard. Discard is so important that we let this stuff go. You know, you're, the truth sets you free. You're, you're only sick as your secrets. We get an opportunity to, to all the trauma as a kid, all that stuff, get it up, get it out. Uh, but I noticed that I didn't get the relief and we and I came to the conclusion it was because a lot of my stuff was done in the public domain. And I went, oh, wow, I'm going to have to do a step four and five in public. And that's a, and a, and a series of God moments, coincidences, call it what you want, happened. I met a, a writer that, you know, who's 10 years clean and sober, uh, knows his illness better than I will ever know it. Uh, he said, if you ever, you ever do a book, I'd love to co-write it with you. Yeah. Then I met Andrew Bell, uh, who's a publisher at, uh, um, he's the uh, chief honcho at uh, um, Harper Collins in those days. And he was uh, an Arsenal fan and he said, <laughs> sat in our uh, West Upper and he said, Tony, if you ever did a book, love to publish it for you. So it was like coincidence after coincidence. I've got this sporting chance kind of idea coming up how am I going to finance that am I going to pay for what you know James's wages and in those days you can get really good money like I say for for, for doing a book so it just was perfect they serialized it in the in the uh, news of the world which I wanted as well because it had the biggest readership so I got to the biggest audience in those days um and so it comes out Sunday morning and it's always a good time I used, I used to wake up under a few <laughs> in midday so I thought that would be a good idea so I did basically uh, a step four and five publicly with Addicted it got very um, painful and I know the World Cup in 98 I put it away for that because it, it brought up too much yeah. um, stuff and uh, I wasn't able to do my job as, as well as I could do when I was given so I said to my James at the time let's put it away for a while let's put the book um, with Ian, Ian Ridley, who wrote the book with me. Uh, let's put it away, and we and we finish it after the uh, after the um, after the World Cup. Uh, but the, step one, I wanted my chair, and pretty much step one and and chapter one is is my is my chair is my chair is my share. It's it's my journey. It's my jumping. What happened to me? Uh, before boozing, you know, my moment of clarity and then how I lived my life a day at a time. It was like my rock bottom, basically. Yeah. And we repeated that in Sober that I did in, in 2018. Uh, the, the first chapter is, is just another chair. It's yeah. me, it's an updated one. It's a bit more recovery because I've got 20 odd years of recovery more in me. So um, that's why I did Addicted. I did it to clean house. How long does it take? A project like that to put it, everything it took a, yeah it, it took about about a year year and a bit we we you don't have to do it like that you know you can just give it to the writer and uh he can knock it up in a couple of days but we yeah. wanted to do it like anything that i wanted to do i wanted to be me you know he wanted it had to be my story and 
after training um, every day, pretty much for about a year, I, I'd put it all on tape with Ian. I'd meet him in Sotwell House, and uh, about two hours was enough. It was quite intense stuff. Yeah. So about two hours uh, every week, we'd put transcript after transcript, and then we did one chapter at a time. So I did the first chapter. He wrote it up, um, got back to me. Not sure, but went backwards and forwards. We had a week uh, in January 98 uh, where we went to the south of France together. I'd got injured against the, the famous Blackburn game where we lost at Highbury in December. And I went to get rehab in south, uh, south of France. Ian came with me. So, every, you know, I did my physical stuff with a fitness coach and then I'll do with Ian every afternoon, every night time over dinner, doing more of the book. So we got it all on tape. Um, and then we just went chapter by chapter, 2012, 12 chapters. Yeah. We had the fixture list, which was quite handy because of the blackouts and stuff. I, I couldn't really place where I was at certain times. And uh, there's one kind of, I went out for about three days to the Windsor races in the process of just before the 89, um, where we won the league at Anfield in 89. And uh, I, I was confused by the dates. And I said, Ian, I went here. And he went, no, no, you didn't. You played... Wimbledon that night. I mean, oh Jesus! I got, I got a pace it played, but thankfully we had the we had the seat, you know, the the, the fixture list, which uh, we can uh, actually put our um, what we did to that. So that so that was useful. You mentioned the races there when we last spoke. I know you mentioned you had uh, a trip up here to Aintree races once. Yeah, and that, that was in, I was injured again, you know, and I couldn't go, you know. And and we, we just you know it's just it's just madness, isn't it? At the end of the time, it sounds so it it sounds so much fun, but it, it it kind of wasn't, you know. We had champagne breakfast out of Euston up to up to to Liverpool State Lime Street Station. You get on the bus to go across. By the time the race day happens, you're absolutely smashed out of your heads, you know. And you know, and we were in the Kinney's tent in the first first uh, um, first fence. And uh, I actually watched the race on TV and I didn't see the race. You know, I, that was the, I couldn't walk 50 yards out of the Guinness tent to look at the horses jumping over the first, uh, first hurdle at Aintree. You know, I stayed in there. I could have been in a pub anywhere. You could be absolutely in a pub anywhere. I just happened to be in the Guinness tent on the first, first fence. And it, literally the doors were behind me here and I'm looking at a TV in front of me. But, oh, there's a horse over there. Oh. Yeah, I don't think I knew how to behave, to be honest with you. <laughs> I didn't know just how to be, you know, it was just, it was just, I'm going to use that word again, but it was just bollocks, you know. And, and there were, you don't get me wrong, it, there was a lot of fun in there as well at the start. You know, the first, listen, the, the, the champagne breakfast on the train going up there, that was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. But the, the three days afterwards and stuff, and, and you really, I put myself at so much risk, you yeah. know, and I know stories... You know, thankfully for me, the story ended well. You know, I'm clean and sober and 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 I'm here to tell the tale. But I know a lot of pals have not made it. You know, accidents have happened. You know, they put yourself into such vulnerable, risky positions that, you know, sometimes the results are not 
yeah. You know, not here. There's, you know, thing shit happens, and it's it's uh, um, and it's a serious subject. But uh, um, the the drunk and and I was like I say, hilarious at times. Hilarious. Yeah. And there was a reason why we did it. Why we gambled, you know. There was a reason why we did it, you know. The the fun, I suppose, you know. And I always laugh at that when the fun stops, stop. I don't think it was ever fun to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the first bet, you know. The first, you know. I've got. I just had a mind's gone to my tummy, and I just had a. a it's a Bishkoff Bishkoff cheesecake. <laughs> it's local shop. oh my god the first bite mate does it every time you know i wanted it just to stay in my lips just to be there all day you know, just to get the fix all day you know what i mean but i i swallowed and it it kind of went and you're like and i felt less than and i thought oh i've used yeah i've yeah. used so what do you get back do you eat more you know, do we have another cheesecake and another cheesecake? And I've got the disease of more, you know, whether it's gambling or food or or, or, or alcohol, like I used to throw down. So, so that's where I am. And I know, and thank Lord, I've shined a light on that today. So I know that stuff. And like you said about the gambling of the horses, my brain would quickly go, oh, I ain't done that one. That's well, not my issue. Uh, about food there, it, it's after Sporting Chance four years ago, um, I did watch my addiction manifest into food and I, I developed bulimia and I even had uh, my relationship with food now is a lot better uh, and that's only through going to meetings and, and sharing and, and trying to work on myself but the other it was actually yesterday I've uh, been experimenting you know with this cold water therapy and uh, at first I thought it was a little bit of a fad and then I got involved and I thought you know what's great you know there's a there's a community aspect of it and uh, one of the lads, uh, he actually used to play football as well. Um, he gave me um, like an Easter egg cheesecake that his missus made. And I, <laughs> it was like eight o'clock in the morning. And I thought, I, I normally don't have my breakfast till late. And I was just looking at it in the car. And but, like, it's only a 10 minute journey home. And I've had one bite and I've just went, oh, had that for breakfast. And then the guilt that come over me. But at least I can recognize and just go, right, you know banana now for the rest of the day you've had a relapse mate the important thing here is you're right you know you've recognized it you're yeah. conscious of it and um i loved what you said earlier about my relationship with this today is much more healthier you've yeah. realized that that's what i look for today how is my relationship with with everything yeah. you know with my health with my work with my relationships and with my finance all these kind of issues yeah. big things in life you know what is my relate is it is it and i love the word balance as well equilibrium equilibrium you yeah. know is it is it in balance is it am i doing an easter egg at eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> and the thing is we can laugh at it now hallelujah you know what I mean? We can laugh at that stuff because we regular. Hold on, there's a bit of madness, you know. And I've been my my family's doing no sugar since since Jen, you know, the start of the year. They've done no sugar, and I'm it's killing I'm me. Cut off for you that. Know? I know I've relapsed every Friday, and I <laughs> and, I've, and I go down with I have a meeting down in Marlborough, and I have a um they do sliders, the old American cheeseburgers and stuff. I have four of them and an Oreo milkshake cookie. <laughs> and I stuck it. I feel so it's great that you could do, but I feel so guilty, like you say. <laughs> you know, but I left all the evidence in the car the other day. And my and my wife and my two girls, they were like going, 
Dad, what's all this? What's, what's going on here? <laughs> I said, oh, no, no. But I said, that's a Friday night out for me. That's as, yeah. that's as bad as it gets for me today. You know, yeah. a couple of sliders, an Oreo milkshake, and an AA meeting, and I'm home at 9 p.m. <laughs> You know, not gone for the whole weekend. I'm home. I go out at five. I get that, and I'm home by nine a.m. Nine p.m. What's going on? <laughs> Oreo is my go-to for years. I've seen myself as a bit of a milkshake connoisseur. I try different places and go, and oh, no, six out of ten that one. Oh, that's a bit better. <laughs> Byron's a bad. But yeah, yeah, I've tried them. It went the uh, in the big metal jar. When you say being in balance and our relationship with stuff, like I'd say this is probably my big one at the moment because I use it a lot for work. And I don't, I don't know whether it, if, if you wanted to talk about Tony because we we spoke about it a few weeks back, but I don't know whether it's a hush hush at the moment about plans for what you've got in the pipe. No, 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 no. I, I'm in the public domain now. No, my my story has led me uh, into feeling a little handcuffed last uh, last summer. Uh, with Sporting Chance we're talking about now and um, you know it's specifically for sports people and yep. uh, I like I said to you earlier I opened it up 21 years ago for sports people because I was getting a lot of people in the sports industry going tone what how what how did you what's going on I'm in a bit of pain like you said uh, and I fast forward that to last summer we went into lockdown and I'm getting a lot of phone calls from the wider audience, the business community, you know, the uh, CEOs, um, you know, all sorts of people, family, friends, all going, don't help, you know, what, and I can't use my staff. And I felt a little bit handcuffed by that. I can't use Sporting Chance. I can't direct them there. So, no, actually, we can't, you know, we can't fund this. We can't do this. Yeah. Uh, it's not our thing. So I opened Six Mental Health Solutions. Um and uh, started off with the business community because I thought they could take, like the football does for their players, like the PFA, they take full responsibility for their mental health and uh, including addictions. I thought the business community, some big businesses, you know, uh, and big profits, you know, they could look after their um, employees, you know, pay for the services instead of depending on the um, GPs and the national health yeah. and putting their employees through you know EAP systems where they're not too sure if they get six CBT sessions or what do they get you yeah. know or their BUPA policy or their uh, AXA policy or vitality that what rehab do they go into what do what do they do so I've just kind of replicated uh, Sporting Chances services for the business community that's yeah. what I've done I've widened it up uh, and that's what I'm doing. And the big, you said as well, you know, the, the social media. And it, I think everybody's got, what is your relationship with your phone? You know, you stuck it up in the air there, uh, yeah. Liam. And, and, you know, I'm doing no phone weekends now, which is really yeah. tough, you know, and for this addict who quite easily can, the pickups, you know, during the day, it's quite scary. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm one of the good one. I, I'm, I kind of put my head down. <laughs> my wife said something about um, Meghan and Harry's interview, and I literally didn't know they'd done it. I think I'm one of the only people in the bloody planet that didn't right realize that they'd done a, a, an interview with Oprah Winfrey, and she said something about, you know, 
something about over the dinner table said blah, blah, blah. i went oh so what's happened and she said what kind of planet where are you because <laughs> i know it, it, it affects me i'm like a sponge yeah, you know, yeah. and if I surround myself with negativity, if I, oh, I'm not saying it's negative, but I'm just, you know, if I get in all this stuff, it's like, oh my God. And I focus on what I do, which is, I know now, I'm really unhealthy. You know, one bad word, one bad review. You know, when I did the book and thousands and thousands of people that I've helped, you know, get clean and sober and, and, and having fantastic life, I've got the one woman that's reached out to me and gone yeah my son didn't get it you know you're rubbish you're 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 a disgrace you know i'm like ah! you know i've been turmoil for about three months you know resentment i can resent her grandkids you know i'm that far gone <laughs> with this stuff you know? i want to instantly kill people i want to react but yeah. thankfully i respond today instead of reacting and uh uh, through therapy, through prayer and meditation, I I respond and I get some, I reflect and I get some perspective about the situation and uh, and, and say to me, but I, you know, I think we've all got to look at it, to be completely honest with you, all addicts that, that get into the, everybody, uh, everyone, it's a new kitty on the block, it's um, the algorithms, it's, it's just playing into all that kind of addictive behaviour, yeah. you know, and you don't have to, and, and especially young girls, you know, around suicide and, and young, and this is quite a, a difficult subject, so you might want to put warnings out. And, and if you are experiencing any of the things that we've spoken about, Liam, you know, there's a pro Samaritans, there's yeah. lots of people you can get help, you know, um, six MHS, we're signposting you to the right, the right place if you've got all this stuff, but it's going through the roof, domestic abuse. Yeah. You know, domestic abuse, suicide in young girls, body issues, all the all the kind of messaging out there. Yeah. It's huge, Liam. It's huge. Yeah. You know, so we're doing our little bit. We're keeping our side of the street clean. I've started with big businesses because I thought they've got the finance to actually look after their employees. Um, but, it, you know, listen, I'm not trying to save the world here. I'm just it, it just feels like the right next step for me, Liam, to be honest with you. It feels like the right next step. For me to go and help a few more people yeah no it's um because i use my phone a lot for work um i'll find myself going on it but the, all of the apps I, yesterday I, I normally just like reading a book because you know it, it takes me away from my phone but there's one specific one that is quite long and i thought oh you know i'll try the audible version and, and i found myself last night thinking i've been on my phone all day non-stop mm. and then I won't even declare my screen time because I'm embarrassed by it. But then that is a combination of me messing around on social media and doing work and, and other bits and bobs. But yeah, it's um, I think that's I think why. I, to, I think we have to put some structure around it. Yeah. You know, like me as an addict, we, it does make me feel dirty. <laughs> Weirdly, you know, it really yeah. does. I was th sick of looking at a screen yesterday. Yeah. You know, so I've, I've put some boundaries around. Um, you know, work stuff, you know, like a nine to five day and say, look, if I'm on the phone, it's from, from this. Like I said, I'm starting to have for, um, um, weekends away from my phone. Yeah. But, you know, my music is on my phone. So I'm still picking it up and putting the, the music on, on on a Saturday morning. Yeah. yeah. But that's only, I, I tell you, and then I look at my messages on a Sunday night ready for the week. So I do allow myself two times. 
But the instant, if I don't, if I fall off the wagon, as it were, and look at it again, I feel instantly guilty. Shame kicks in. We're full of, it's, it's really, I don't, I don't think a lot of people are like, you know, I talk to my missus who's emotionally and mentally well balanced. She's, what's wrong with you? It's a lot of fun. Go. <laughs> For me, I know my, my, weaknesses it's not weaknesses i know my illness you know i know the this illness is, is with me and uh i have to be mindful of everything yeah uh, and to put in some structure around my phone um in respect of the apps as well if it's social media i allow my periods during the day you know for instance linkedin it's a work kind of platform for me yeah. so i only use that between nine and five yeah. You know, that's the only thing, you know, the, the Instagram, I've set that up so people can kind of, it's a picture album, really. Uh, I've set that up so people can get help. So it's appropriate that I only do that from nine till five, really, as well, you know, yeah. and not looking at it at 11 o'clock at night and putting pictures in, or doing it. It's, it's, stern, it's like an external stuff. So I, I don't get involved in comments or, or feedback and, and that type of stuff, getting conversation unless yeah. they're reaching out, you know. Well, I was watching Joe Rogan and Elon Musk talk the other night on a Joe Rogan podcast, and they were talking in detail about, you know, like artificial intelligence and what the future holds for us, etc. Joe Rogan said, you know, that there seems to be this longing for us to be attached to like, you know, walks. And my, I found myself going on like, you know, mountain walks a lot more and, and these log cabin weekends away. And, and it's true. I feel as though you can just become so burnt out with technology. It's like, I just need some fresh air for the moment. Yeah, it's uh, we we found like we've gone back to nature a little bit, and uh, you know we say give time, time, don't we? And, and and before we stop, we have to slow down. And I think in the last year, people have had an opportunity to reflect. I know it's been tough for a lot of people, but myself, in you know, I've kind of had a, a long period. I do it anyway on a daily basis, so it's right up our streets. You know, it's, yeah. it's meditation and prayer and reflection and you know, and uh, and slowing down and walking and back to nature. My pal, who, who, who unfortunately passed away about three months ago, clean and sober, um, had a heart attack, um, Paul, and his funeral's at 12 o'clock today. And he, came, he said something really beautiful once. We came out of a meeting and we was talking about step two and higher powers and what does that mean for you and what, what's all that about, you know? Is, yeah. is it the universe? Is it that? You know, is it, I don't know, a group of drunks, you know, um, good orderly direction, um, as they say, good, goth, gift of desperation, what, what is God for you today? Um, and uh, we were talking and it was a, a really clear, peaceful night, you know, and we came out of the meeting and we've got a church in Siren Sister and we both looked up past the church into the sky and there was so many stars and you could see you know all the other galaxies and all that was such a beautiful evening you know and we yeah. looked up at the stars and we both looked at each other and he said to me tone someone's holding that lot up and it's not me or you mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm not the center of the universe i suppose <laughs> we try to get out them you know we get out of that and maybe you know, I've been right sized, you know, no better, no worse than any other human being. And uh, yeah, I accept that there's a power greater than me today. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's about. And, 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 and nature 
is a very, very powerful force for me. You know, the piece that it's always been walking with my dog, even over Putney Heath in early recovery, is one of the greatest tools that I've ever possessed in recovery. You know, just the simply of just getting out, clears my head, and picking up the phone, picking up the phone, talking to uh, Miss Sponsor when the pain, and you spoke about pain earlier, you know, it's the touchstone of growth, mate. You know, yeah. really, and I couldn't take the slightest bit of pain when I was using. And now the pain that I've gone through in the last 25 years has been enormous, enormous. Yeah. But some of it's killed me and, and I've got tools to deal with it. And one of the tools is nature. You know, yeah. getting out there, I've got a lovely little pond. I've got a couple of ducks. I've got three goats. Um, we've got some, the farmer's got some sheep in the field. I've got a couple of chickens and a dog and, uh, it, and nine fish. There you go. But I think the ducks might have had them. Michael Arteta, how do you think Arsenal are getting on at the moment? I think he's doing a great job. If you're just talking about Arsenal, I think Arteta, with the, the players that he's got, um, I think he's, he's performing miracles, to be honest with you. But we need to, uh, Arsenal need to, um, I think, really improve their recruitment for the next three, four windows. I think they need a, uh, a better player, a, a, a higher level of, of player, if they're ever going to win the league again. Um, they need to um, either produce them from their academy. They've got yeah. a couple of kids coming through. Fair play to them. Smith Rowe in particular is going to be a player. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, or you buy them in, which we did in in '96 when we got um, a, a new director into the club who invested heavily. Um, we got uh, French internationals, Dennis Burkamp players can start to play for us, and we went on to win two doubles and become invincible. So, yeah. um, you if to get back to those levels, going to need academy players, and it's going to need recruitment. And at the moment, um, recruitment's not been great, in my opinion. And um, but Arteta needs to get hold of his sports director and say, "Come on." We need some uh, need some better players if we're ever going to win the league because there's only so much the coach can do. This game's about players. Yeah, you, you have yourself, Percy. You've won uh, more league titles than our city combined over the last thirty years, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I remember as a kid. That's when I started to really fall in love with football. I must have been about six or seven and watching Arsenal and Harvey in your prime. And what was funny, I watched. Um, uh, a video the other day, you know, the 2001 FA Cup final, Cardiff. Okay. Okay. When... I forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, carry on, mate. Carry on, Reed. It's about 20 goals. I can't believe we lost that one. I know. I, know, I always remember. I think Sammy Ippier and Stefan Ancho cleared the ball off the line about three or four times. But um, when I watched it back, as, as a little kid, around that age, Michael Owen was a little bit of a childhood hero, not so more now, but... pest he was. <laughs> Patrick Berger put the ball over the top, and uh, when Owen scores the winner, I've seen you slide in, and it's weird, because like, I had like a different opinion <laughs> on the goal. I was like, oh, Tony, last ditch tackle there, if only you would have made it. Uh, don't worry, we went back and done the double the year after, mate. <laughs> I always remember Arsene Wenger put through his, uh, his uh, runners-up medal in the bin at Cardiff. Did he? And I always remember, I, I got it out of him. I said, look, win or lose, mate. You know, we got here, you know, pride, dignity, all the stuff we learn in recovery. I yeah. said, look, we did our best, Arsene. You know, let's come back next year. And, and funny enough, I'm not just saying it, we did go back next year and we did win it the next time. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, 
you know, and, and that's when I retired. And, uh, and, and it was meant to be, you know, it was meant to be that we didn't win the Liverpool one because I might have thought at that stage, actually, that's enough. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll call it a day then, but um, I'm glad that we lost. There we go. Who never saw that? Who had <laughs> said that, you know, years ago, that you're actually glad? And you're glad, you know, it really hurt losing the UEFA Cup as well, yeah. you know, and, and that just inspired me to go on and, and win another double, you know, and yeah. get up again and uh, and fight on and and knowing when to retire. There's so many footballers nowadays, Liam, that, that are stuck and so many people that are stuck in, in jobs when they're too scared or too too frightened to let go yeah you know too full of fear and uh you know most people you know most people are just doing a job to earn a living you know to actually have an opportunity to to do a job that you love that absolutely you you know the reason why i'm on this call now everything that i do in my life is because at six years old i I fell in love with the game of football and i had a bit of talent and i played for the arsenal in england you know and everything in the back of that is because of that you know it's so powerful in my life you know i still have football dreams today (laughs) i'll never let go of that yeah there's a grieving process you know 19 years without playing and i still think that i can do it you know it's i don't have no drinking dreams i've had 25 years of sobriety but i don't have no you know i can win and it's got it's gone and forgotten and then you know good riddance you know but football wow ouch Ouch! Yeah. I still want to get out there and kick a few balls, mate. <laughs> do, do you have uh, obviously you, you you achieved so much, but do you ever have any? Don't like using the word, but regret where you think if only I could have maybe won. No, no. not at all. No, no, like I said to you before, even even in the losses, it makes you you are, doesn't it? You makes you more resilient and resilient. And and I've been, you know, not you know, statistical is that the word? No, uh, kind of. Uh, painful way you know it's not in a kind of uh, self kind of uh, hatred kind of don't like myself I want pain I want pain yeah uh, kind of way it's a, it's actually you know I needed every single bit of that to make me yeah who I am today so I wouldn't change a thing I wouldn't change now I've come through it <laughs> you know my alcoholism my addiction it's all. It was all great now that I've come through it. <laughs> I don't want it anymore. But you know, uh, I'd uh, you know I, I'd rather have been captain than Alan Shearer in '98 because I think we could have done better. I th- could have won in 2001. I could have won. As my mum used to say, "Ifs and ends, pots and pans." And I don't regret one little one little bit, mate. Don't regret one little bit. Oh, well, uh, ironically, uh, Arsenal v Liverpool is the next Premier League fixture, isn't it? So I thought uh, we'll finish with a little score prediction from yourself, Tony, see if it pops up. Oh, that's a real trick. They're both rubbish at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> They're both no, no, <laughs> well, Arsenal don't keep clean sheets, so it's a 1-1. 1-1, there you go, score prediction. 